If you brought a Bible, go to Psalm 145. Si trajo su Biblia, vamos a ir al Salmo 145 y el verso 14, 15 y 16. We're going to read verse 14, 15 through 16 tonight. As we study the Word of God, I'm mindful of the fact that today is Independence Day. I want us to uh, talk about a declaration of dependence upon God. Esta noche vamos a hablar sobre una declaración de dependencia sobre Dios. America needs to declare dependence on God. Uh, nuestro país necesita declarar su dependencia sobre Dios. How many of you believe that? How many of you know that's true? ¿Cuántos saben que eso es la verdad? Necesitamos declarar nuestra dependencia sobre Dios. Y uh, en este día de uh, celebración de independencia, sabemos que hay una gran necesidad que nuestro país regrese a Dios. There's a great need in our day for our country to return to the Lord. And Psalm 145 Verse 14, it reads, The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of, the look, the, the, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, we thank you tonight. For the presence of the Holy Spirit among us, we ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God, and I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that as they receive the word, it might fall as good seed into the good soil of their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said a big loud amen. Amen. Turn and tell your neighbor, God is in control. Dígale a su vecino esta noche, Dios está en control. Now, I want you to tell them again, no, no, really, God is in control. Dígale, no, no, de veras, Dios está en control. How many of you believe that? Do you believe that God is in control? Tonight, I want to challenge you to make a declaration of dependence upon God. The problems that we have in our nation today are the direct result of having declared independence from God. Los problemas que hay en nuestra nación, en nuestro país hoy, son el resultado directo de haber declarado independencia de Dios. When a nation tells God, God, we're going to go on our own, we're going to do it our own way, then that nation can only expect the problems that have come and are coming into this nation and have come into other nations around the world. Cuando un país declara de que no necesita a Dios. Si dice Dios, estamos bien como estamos. No queremos tus leyes, tus reglas, tu, tus, uh, tu palabra. We say, God, I don't want your, your rules or your laws. Just let us do it on our own. That brings a great deal of trouble into a nation. The Bible said that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Dice la Escritura que bendita es la nación cuyo Dios es And so when a nation makes God and makes the Lord God in the nation, that nation can expect the blessing of God. Cuando una nación declara a Dios como su Señor y su Rey, esa nación puede esperar bendición de Dios. In like manner, when a man or woman declares their dependence upon God and makes God Lord of their life, then that man or woman can expect the blessing of God in their life. Cuando uno hombre, una mujer declara su dependencia sobre Dios y dice Señor, quiero que seas Señor de mi vida, Señor de mi, de mi uh, corazón, entonces ellos pueden esperar la bendición de Dios. And tonight we have a very simple passage uh, which the psalmist David brings to us. Tenemos esta noche un pasaje muy simple del Rey David. If you go back to verse 1, of the chapter. Vamos a ver uh, lo que dice primero la, la, la parte anterior del de capítulo. El capítulo 145 de los Salmos, verso 1. He says, I will exalt you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name 
forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised for his greatness is unsearchable. And so we see that David begins the psalm by declaring the praises of God. El salmista comienza este salmo declarando las bendiciones de Dios o bendiciendo a Jehová, declarando adoración hacia Dios. And he calls God his king. Él le llama a Dios su rey. Did you know that in the Revolutionary War in the United States, there was a slogan that some people used as they were rebelling against the king of Great Britain, they would say, no king but King Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if not only America could say that, but wouldn't it be great if the church would say that? If we would say like David, there is no king in my life but King Jesus. Come on, somebody. If that's you tonight, I want you to declare that with your life, that there is no king in your life, not money, not pride, not power, not fame. Nothing is king in your life but King Jesus. Say amen if you believe that. Usted y yo debemos declarar con nuestra vida. Yo no tengo ningún rey. Ni el dinero, ni el orgullo, ni el poder, ni la fama, ni los placeres. Ningún rey sino el rey Jesús. Él es rey de mi vida. And then in verse 4 the psalmist says, One generation will praise your works to another. Dice el salmista, una generación declarará tus obras a la otra. He says, each generation is going to tell the next one the good things that God has done. Él dice, las generaciones van a declarar de una a otra a otra las bondades y la bendición de Dios. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Because from... From Abraham to Jesus, generation after generation went about declaring the works of God. And now from Jesus to today, generation after generation still declaring the works of God. And when you and I walk in dependence before God, we're going to have something to tell the next generation about the faithfulness of God. And the fact that God has been good to us. So we arrive here at these verses which I have read. And the psalmist says three things. First of all, in verse 14, he says, The Lord sustains all of those who fall. This is the first reason why we need to make a declaration of dependence upon God. Esta la primera razón por la cual necesitamos hacer una declaración de dependencia sobre Dios. Why, Pastor? Because it is God who sustains. It is God who holds things together in our life. ¿Por qué tenemos que declarar dependencia sobre Dios? Porque es Dios el que sostiene todas las cosas. Tell your neighbor, God holds everything together. Now look, I know it's 4th of July and it's the middle of the week and you were expecting a, a three-day weekend, but it didn't happen. And here you are at church and you're not at a barbecue and you're kind of you're worn out from a long, hot day. But guess what? I want you to wake up and just say it with me. God upholds everything. God holds everything together. Listen, your life hasn't fallen apart. Not because you are an awesome and incredible, hold it together. God, your life hasn't fallen apart because God has his hand on your life. Usted, su vida no se le ha descompuesto, no porque usted es algo grande que obra milagros, sino porque Dios tiene su mano sobre su vida. How many of you can testify tonight and say, if it hadn't have been for Jesus, my life would have fallen apart a long time ago. Come on, somebody. Si no hubiera sido por Jesús, nuestra vida ya estuviera hecho pedazos. Your mind would have fallen apart. Your money would have fallen apart. Your relationships would have fallen apart. But you're still holding it together because the hand of God is sustaining your life. Quizá hubiera perdido su mente o hubiera perdido sus finanzas, hubiera perdido sus relaciones, pero porque la mano de Dios sostiene su vida, ahí usted ha podido tener la habilidad de permanecer. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28, the apostle Paul said to the philosophers at Mars Hill, he says, in him 
We live and move and have our being. Dijo el, el apóstol Pablo en uh, Hechos capítulo 17 y el verso 28. Que en Dios tenemos nuestra vida, nuestro movimiento y en Dios somos. I want you to think about those three words for just a minute. First of all, he says that in God we have our life. Listen, what does that word mean? It literally means this. Because of God, we are alive and not dead. Por Dios, tenemos vida y no estamos muertos. First of all, we have spiritual life. Primero tenemos vida espiritual. We're not dead in our trespasses and sins, but we are alive in Christ because of the sustaining grace of God. Tenemos vida espiritual no, no estamos muertos espiritualmente porque tenemos la mano de Dios sobre nuestra vida. We also have physical life. También tenemos vida física. And that life belongs to God. Esa vida le pertenece a Dios. The Bible said that every breath is in the hand of the Lord. Dice la Escritura que todo respirar está en la mano de Jehová. So breathe in real deep tonight, and if you're breathing, you got to say, in him I have life. Because he is the giver and the sustainer of life. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, pardon, chapter 30, verse 20 says. Escuche lo que dice Deuteronomio capítulo 30, verso 20. It says, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life. And the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. What does the Bible say is our life? Our life consists of the word of God. In fact, our life consists of the words of God found in the scriptures. ¿Qué dice aquí Deuteronomio? Que esta es nuestra vida. Que este libro es nuestra vida. Listen, when you hold your Bible, this is your life right here. In this book is health and healing. In this book is salvation. In this book is provision. In this book is prosperity. In this book is blessing. In this book is your life. Say amen, somebody. So you got to get to know this book because this is your life. This is the life of every believer. We are creatures of the word. We were created by the word and we are sustained by the word. Somos nosotros criaturas de la palabra. Fuimos creados por la palabra y somos uh, sostenidos por la palabra. Then Paul says in him we live and in him we move. Somebody move around a little bit. Do you have some a function in your body? I know that some of you, when your knees move, they squeak a little bit, but at least they're moving, right? And, and uh, you've got to remember that in him we move. In him we have activity. En él nos movemos. En él tenemos actividad. Quizá menos actividad para algunos que para otros. Pero todos en él tenemos actividad. What does this mean? In him we have purpose. En él tenemos propósito. En él tenemos la, actividad, la habilidad de hacer las cosas que Dios demanda de nosotros. In him we have the opportunity and the privilege of doing the things that God demands of us. We have the activity of our life and the activity of our limbs. We have the ability to do the good work and the pleasure of God. Tenemos la habilidad de hacer la buena obra y el placer de Dios. And if you've done anything in your life, it's because of God. Si usted ha hecho algo en su vida, es por Dios. Es Dios el que le ha dado la habilidad. Listen, America, when America uh, wins a war, it's because of God. When America experiences financial blessing, it's because of God. When America has a, a good year, it's because of God. It's not because of our politicians. It's not because of our political parties. It's because it is God who gives us the ability to move and to do those things that please him and that honor him. And he says, in him, we have our being. En él tenemos nuestro sed. In him, we exist. It's really what the Bible is saying there. En él tenemos existencia. Tenemos 
la habilidad no solamente de tener un cuerpo físico, pero también una alma viviente hacia Dios. We not only have a physical body, but we have a soul that is alive toward God. Listen, that's what separates you and I from the animals. Eso es lo que nos separa de los animales. That they have life, but they don't have the way, they don't have the life of the spirit. Ellos tienen vida, pero no tienen vida en el espíritu. Your dog can't talk to God. Your, uh, your, uh, your uh, poodle can't talk to God. Your goldfish can't talk to God. You alone can do that. So the psalmist says, I will exalt. I will bless the Lord. I will give God praise because I'm the one that he's giving life to. Come on, somebody. I'm the one that he is sustaining by his power and by his might. And then we see there throughout the Psalms the same message. Psalm 37 Verse 17, it says, The arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord will sustain the righteous. How many of you have ever had an enemy? Ah, que bueno. ¿Cuándo de ustedes han tenido enemigos? It's just about two or three of you that have had an enemy. Well, let me give you some, some bad news. You have an enemy. Every one of you has an enemy. He hates your guts. His name is Devil. De Lucifer, Satan, he wants to see you destroyed. Todos tenemos un enemigo. Su nombre es el diablo y quiere verlo destruido. But look at what the scripture says. The arm of the, of the wicked has been broken because the Lord upholds the righteous. El brazo del enemigo ha sido quebrantado porque Dios sostiene al justo. He upholds the righteous. Psalm 37 verse 24. It says, though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed, for the Lord holds his hand. Dice el Salmo 37, verso 24, que aunque el justo caiga, que Dios, perdón, él no será destruido, porque Dios lo sostiene con su mano. Listen, all of us at one point or another have tripped in this walk. All of us have, have stumbled and have fallen, but we haven't been destroyed. We're still standing by the grace of God. Why? Because the hand of the Lord upholds us. It, it brings us up out of that pit and out of that place of trouble. Porque la mano de Dios nos sostiene y nos levanta de ese lugar de peligro. peligro. Psalm 54 Verse 4, el Salmo 54, verso 4, it says, Surely God is my helper, the Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Dice el Salmo, ciertamente Jehová es mi ayudador, Él es el que sostiene mi alma. Listen, look at the three things so far. It says God sustains you against the enemy. <coughs> That's an outside force. And then the Lord sustains you when you fall. That's you falling because of the trouble that's brought to your life by the enemy. But then he says, God sustains my inner man. Now, there is a real problem there, isn't it? It's one thing to fight with the devil, but it's a whole other matter to fight with yourself. It's a whole other matter to have a struggle with your inner man. Es una cosa pelear con el diablo, pero es otra cosa tener un conflicto interior. How many of you have ever had a troubled spirit? ¿Cuántos de ustedes han tenido un, una alma atribulada? Un corazón atribulado, a troubled heart, where you didn't know what to do, or which way to go, or what to think anymore. And you thought, I tried everything. And you just about gave up. But God's word says, He sustains your soul. Dice la Escritura que Él sostiene su alma. I look around and I see some of the members of our congregation who've gone through bitter losses. Those kinds of losses which could, uh, which pierce down to the very soul. Yo he conocido aquí en la iglesia personas que han pasado por amargas pérdidas. Uh, cosas que dañan hasta el alma del hombre. And those things, they don't go away. Uh, overnight, esas cosas no no pasan de de un momento a otro. A veces se te, se tarda por un proceso proceso. Sometimes there's a process of healing. But I want you to know tonight that it is the Lord who sustains the soul. Es Jehová el que sostiene el alma. 
It's God that holds up your soul when it's being crushed upon by every wave of trouble. Es Dios el que mantiene el alma cuando está siendo abatida por todas las olas de tribulación. I shared this story with you before, but Horatio Spafford is a good example of this. He was a businessman in the 1800s, and he was a supporter of Dwight Moody, the, the great evangelist of that era. He was what Billy Graham was to us. And uh, one, one day, Horatio Spafford experienced the financial loss of all of his business in Chicago because of the Chicago fire. Uh, el hermano Spafford era un hombre de negocio en Chicago y, y un día él perdió todo su negocio por un incendio que hubo ahí en esa ciudad. And then he lost his, his uh, baby boy. Luego perdió su niño pequeño. And so he had his financial loss and then he had the loss of his son. So he and his wife made plans. They said, you know what, Dwight uh, Moody is holding a crusade in London. We're going to go over to London to be a part of the crusade and just get away from all of this trouble. Ellos decidieron irse a Londres a una cruzada del hermano Moody donde iban a, a poder uh, deshacerse un poco de estos problemas. And uh, something came up when they were about to leave. Algo ocurrió antes de salir y él no pudo salir. So envió a su esposa y a sus hijas a... Uh, uh, en el barco y él les dijo después los voy a encontrar en Londres. So he sent his wife and daughters across the Atlantic and he said I'll catch up with you in a few days. Well some, some time later he received a, a message that the ship that his wife and daughters were on had been, uh, had sunk at sea. Luego él recibe un mensaje que le dice que el barco, la nave donde va su hij sus hijas y su esposa and the message says that his wife alone had been saved. Y el mensaje dice que él, que su esposa solamente había sido salva o rescatada. And so now he suffered the loss of his business and of his son and of his daughters. He separated from his wife. So he takes the next available ship across the Atlantic and he tells the captain, would you please stop? near the place where the shipwreck happened. And so they stopped at that point and they gave him the deck. Le dieron ahí el lugar en privado para que él tuviera ese momento de Despedida. He stood over on that deck to have a moment to say goodbye to his daughters. And he took out pen and paper and he began to write these words. Comenzó a escribir el hermano Spafford estas palabras. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, or sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, he was singing about the fact that it is the Lord that sustains the soul. Él estaba cantando de el hecho de que es Dios. I said, it's the Lord who sustains the soul. Es Dios el que sostiene el alma. And when you've been in those bitter moments where everything has piled up on you, there is one thing you can know for sure. That the devil may be able to touch your house. And he may be able to touch your cars. And he might even be able to touch your body. But he cannot touch your soul. He cannot touch that which has been upheld and sustained by the glorious hand of the Lord. Say amen somebody. Psalm 57 verse 6. It says they spread a net for my feet. And my soul was in despair. They dug a, a pit for me, but they themselves fell into it. And Psalm 146, verse 8, it says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind, and the Lord lifts up those who are weighed down, and he loves the righteous. Dice el Salmo 146, y el verso 8, Jehová abre los ojos de los ciegos y él levanta al que tiene uh, difícil prueba o el que tiene gran carga sobre de él. 
Maybe you've come tonight with a weighed down spirit, with a weighed down soul. Quizá usted ha venido esta noche con una con una alma pesada, un espíritu pesado, una carga que está cargando sobre su alma. Dice la escritura que Jehová levanta a los que llevan la dura carga. God lifts up those who have a heavy burden. Say amen, somebody. Has God ever done these things for you? So tonight, we, we can say to America, declare your dependence upon God because God is the sustainer of your life. Por eso esta noche podemos decir a nuestra nación, declara tu dependencia sobre Dios porque Él es el que sostiene tu vida. Then verse 15 says the second thing. It says, the eyes of all look to you. Dice el Salmo, uh, verso 15 ahí, que los ojos de todos mira, miran hacia ti. Porque tú das comida en el tiempo debido. He says, because you give them their food in due time. Now here we have the image of, of the psalmist. He's painting an image. He's saying, all of the creatures of the earth, they look to God to feed them. Dice aquí el salmista, todos los animales de la tierra, las criaturas de la tierra, miran hacia Dios para su comida. And, and uh, we see that the Bible says that the Lord provides for the lions and the lion cubs. And he provides for the eagles in the sky. And he provides for the sparrows. El provee para los leoncillos. Y él provee comida para las águilas. Y él provee comida también para los pajaritos. He uh, sustains every creature in the earth. Él sostiene las criaturas de la tierra. But, but the, the point of the psalmist is this. Esto es el punto, el punto del salmista. Que si Dios provee las necesidades de los animales, los cuales no tienen alma, o los que no tienen espíritu, cuanto más no suplirá la necesidad de aquellos que han puesto su dependencia sobre de él. This is the point of the psalmist. If God meets the needs of the sparrows, how much more will he not meet the need of every person who declares their dependence upon God? So this is the second reason we need to declare dependence upon God. It is because God is the one who provides. God is the one who meets every single one of our needs. Jesus said it like this. He said the sparrows neither toil uh, nor work, and yet the Lord provides for them. He said the lilies do not spin or make any clothing, and yet God dresses them in beauty. And he says, if a sparrow cannot fall from the sky without God noticing it, how much more you and I, who are worth far more than a sparrow, can expect and trust and depend upon God's provision for us? Come on, somebody. Have you ever seen God provide? That was, that was weak. I'm going to give you another chance. I said, have you ever seen God provide? I mean, you were down to your last nickel, and somehow God provided. God made a way. Anybody ever seen that? Well, guess what? Those are the things God has promised to do for us. The Bible says that the Lord called Elijah, and he told him, Go and declare this message to the king. It's not going to rain in this land until I give the word. Dios le dijo al profeta Elías, Ve dile al rey Ahab. And after that, the Bible said the Lord told him, Go to the brook called Kareth, and there I have commanded a raven to sustain you. Le dijo el Señor, Vete a el arroyo de Kareth, porque ahí he enviado una. Uh, what, someone help me with raven in uh, un cuervo para que te mantenga. Now, how many of you, if you heard God say, I have sent a raven to sustain you, would be kind of like, Lord, 
I, a dove I get. But a, a, a raven? A buzzard? You're going to sustain me with what? ¿Cuánto si Dios le diría, vete allá al arroyo porque ahí he enviado un cuervo para que te sostenga? Le diríamos, Señor, ¿un qué? ¿Y, ¿Y dónde? ¿Where? ¿The creek? And he goes to the creek and he finds that every morning and every evening the raven brings him meat. Cada mañana y cada tarde el cuervo le trae carne. How many of you like meat? ¿A cuánto le gusta la carne? Well, God provides for Elijah in this way. You may not always know how to expect God's provision. You may not even always like how God provides. Sometimes God will use a raven to bless you. A veces Dios puede usar un cuervo. Alguna cosa que usted no esperaba para bendecirlo, para ayudarlo, para prosperarlo. It's like the atheist who uh, used to hear his little uh, old lady neighbor pray on the porch and, and uh, he would make fun of her. And one day she was praying that God would send some food. So he said, I'm going to prove her wrong. And he went to the H-E-B and he bought her several bags full of groceries and came and snuck and uh, left them on the porch. And then he went and hid behind the bushes and she came out and she said, oh, Lord, thank you for providing these groceries. And he jumped out of the bushes. He said, aha, you see, it wasn't the Lord. It was me. I brought you the groceries. She said, oh, Lord, thank you because you even used the devil to do it. And sometimes God has to use a, a raven to provide. But God will provide. And then the Bible says that the brook dried up. Has the creek ever dried up? Listen, sometimes God will use one way to meet your needs in one season, and then he'll change the season, and he'll change the way he's going to meet your need. A veces Dios provee en un tiempo, en una época, de cierta forma, luego él cambia el tiempo, cambia la época, y, y cambia la forma. And a lot of people, especially in the church, struggle with this because... They get used to God doing it one way. And when God shuts off the spigot on that, they want to know why isn't God blessing this anymore. And so they say, let's just wait by the creek and, and wait until revival comes again or wait until fire comes again or wait until water comes again. And they're not hearing God saying, I have moved on. I'm not doing it that way anymore. Come on, somebody. You can't get stuck to yesterday's manna, and you can't get stuck to yesterday's revelation. God is a mover. God is a river, and he is moving, and he is doing a new thing. Come on, somebody. He's doing a new thing in this life, in this generation. And he says to Elijah, go to the village of Zarephath. All right. This is moving up now. The creek dried up. We're going to Zarephath. That must mean there's a village, there's people. And he says, I have provided a widow to sustain you. A what? You want me to depend on what? First I was depending on a raven. Now I'm depending on a widow. But you see, when he goes and he obeys God, he declares his dependence upon God. Él ahora va porque el Señor le dice... Ahora vete al, al pueblito de Serepta porque ahí he mandado una viuda que te mantenga. Pero Señor, yo soy varón. Yo no necesito una viuda que me mantenga. But God, I'm a man. I don't need any woman to take care of me. I don't need any widow to take care of me. Elijah, if you want to eat for the next three months, you better get over there. And he goes over to that lady's house and he finds her picking up sticks. Ve a esta mujer recogiendo palos para hacer una fogata. She's going to make a fire so she can uh, bake her last bread cake. And he says to that woman, he says, bring me some water. Le dice a la mujer, tráeme una poca de agua. And she, he's asking for a big thing because there's a drought on. 
But she's obedient. She goes to get some water, and, and while she's going, he says, while you're at it, bring me a bread cake too. Le dice, bueno, ya que vas a traerme el agua, tráeme una torta también. And she's, she turns around and she says, as the Lord lives, all I have left in the house is a handful of, of breading or flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to bake a cake for me and my son and then we're going to die. Uh, don't you just love that? She's going to die on, an empty, on a full stomach. She said, we're going to die. He says, okay, but bring me a cake first. Before you die, before you give up, before you quit, just give me a cake first. And what's in your house is going to multiply. I said, what's in your house is going to multiply. God rarely uses what you don't have. God uses what you do have. And you know the story. From that moment on, that woman and her son and the prophet were sustained because the cruise of oil never went dry and the bowl of flour never went dry because God sustains his own. And God provides for his own. Now listen, the text says the eyes of all look to you. This is the picture of the, of the little eaglet sitting in the nest waiting for mama to come back with some food. And Jesus said it like this. He said, the eyes of the servant look to the hand of the master. When you're dependent upon God, your eyes are looking to see what's God doing. What's his next move? What's God about? I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to I wanna hear his voice. I want to be led by his spirit. Cuando usted es dependiente totalmente de Dios, sus Ojos están sobre de él como ese pajarito en la en la en el nido esperando que regrese su madre para que le dé de comer y como aquel siervo que está viendo nomás la mano de su de su amo para que le dé una orden. I wonder how many people in the church today are watching God's hand to see what does He want me to do next. See, that's what it means to be dependent upon God. When the scripture says that the hand of the, of the eyes of the servant are upon the hand of their master, it is because when a servant is watching the master, all the master has to do is, is do this. And I'd say, hey, you, over there, Julio, come over here. No, all the master has to do is say, and the servant is right on top of it. Yes, sir, how can I help? God says, if you're dependent upon me, you're watching my hand to see what it is that I want you to do, what it is that I want, where it is I want you to go, what it is I want you to say. So that when, when the preacher opens the text of Scripture and begins to preach, we're already waiting to hear what does God want to say to me today? What does God want me to see in this text? What does God want to do? Because you see, he didn't bring you to any other church in town. He brought you to this one. So guess what he's going to speak to you? Right here, when you open up this text and you go to that word, you say, oh, I see what God is trying to say to my life. Come on, somebody. And when somebody raises the offering, you're like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to give? What am I going to do today? And when, when somebody announces we're having vacation Bible school or we're about to have this outreach, okay, Lord, what's my role? What's my plan? That's what it means to be dependent upon God, to be watching for what God is doing and to say, I want to be a part of the move of God. He says, all of our eyes, the eyes of all, look to you because you give your food in due season. You know that God never misses a due season. Say amen, somebody. God never misses a due season. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that God never misses a due date. When you sow a seed, there's a due date. There's a time when God is going to bring that harvest into your life. When you obey God, there's a due date. The Bible said, do not be weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap if you faint not. Why have some people not reap? Because they've quit. They've given up. 
they have fainted. But those of us who have reaped, we have reaped because we held on and we said, God does not miss his scheduled appointments. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. But I know, I know, I know, I know he's going to do it because God never misses a due season. Do you have a due season coming your way? Look, if you have been faithful to God in sowing and in in uh, giving, you've been faithful to God in your obedience to him, he's going to bring those blessings into your life right on time. You can trust him for that. So if you say, Lord, hurry up a little. I'm getting a little nervous. God is never late, but he has scared me a few times, right? There's sometimes I thought he was really not going to show up. But when you stop and you look back and you see the goodness of God, it takes your breath away. You say, I never thought I'd be able to do that. See, so I can already see sometime down the road, you're going to look back and you say, you know what? I own this house outright. I never thought I was going to be able to do that. Not a single amen in the house of God tonight. Where's the faith? Amen. I said, where's the faith? Someday you're going to be able to look over your life and say, I never thought I'd be able to do that. But God is the one who gives food in due season. He's faithful to that. And then there's a third part of this. And it says, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Luego dice aquí el verso 16, tú abres tu mano y satisfaces el deseo de todas las cosas vivientes. Look, we need to declare our dependence on God, first of all, because God is the one who sustains us. Second of all, because God is the one who provides. But listen, third of all, is because only God can bless. Tenemos que declarar nuestra dependencia en Dios, primero porque Él es el que nos sostiene. Número dos, porque Él es el que provee. Número tres, porque solo Él te puede bendecir. I want you to say this with me. Only God can bless me. Listen, your job is good and it is important and it is from God, but it is not your source. Only God can bless you. Say amen, somebody. Your house is a good house, I hope. But your house is not your source. Your bank account, I hope it's nice and fat. But your bank account is not your source. Say it again. Only God can bless me. You know why? Because the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. Look, when the world blesses you, it has a price. The world will never give you anything without taking. El mundo cuando bendice tiene un precio. Siempre lo que el mundo da te va a costar algo. And almost always what the world gives you is going to cost you something with God. That's why you and I need to look to God for the blessing. Because when he blesses, the Bible says, again, he makes rich, but he adds no sorrow with it. Cuando Dios bendice, no añade tristeza. Lo que Dios hace, cuando Dios suple, cuando Dios bendice... No trae una, un costo negativo a tu vida. It doesn't bring a negative cost into your life. And what I want you to notice here is that the scripture says that his hand is open. The Bible refers to three things about openness when it talks about God. The first thing is it says that the heavens are open. God says that if you will honor him, if you will put him first, if you will give him his part, he says, I will open the heavens, the windows of heaven for you. How many of you need an open heaven? 
The scripture says, on the other hand, that when a nation rejects God, God will make the heavens like brass over them. That means their prayers go up and they bounce off the ceiling. But God says, when you declare your dependence upon me, I'll open heaven over your life. What does an open heaven mean? It means that my prayers go up and they come down with an answer. Come on, somebody. It means I have access to God and God has access to me. There's nothing between the soul and the Savior. Because heaven is open. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're in Christ, heaven is open over your life. You ought to rejoice in that. You ought to celebrate in that. You ought to be thankful to that. Heaven is open over your life. There's nothing between you and the Savior. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the grace of God. Heaven is open. We sing about it uh, in one of uh, the songs that we sing. The heavens are open. Let your kingdom come. We're inviting God to invade our life with his life. To invade our world with his world. To invade our ways with his ways. Jesus said to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That can only happen because God has opened heaven. And given us access the next thing we see in the scripture is that God says he has given us an open door. That's an open opportunity. Lo otro que vemos es que Dios dice que él nos ha dado una puerta abierta. And look what the Bible says. That God has opened the door that no man can shut. Dios ha abierto una puerta que nadie puede cerrar. And he has shut a door that no man can open. He dice que él ha cerrado una puerta que nadie puede abrir. What are you talking about, Pastor? Listen, God has shut the door to your past. He shut the door to yesterday. He shut the door to your failures. He shut the door to your shame, to your guilt. It's in the past. He shut the door. Hell itself can't open it. And he has opened the door to your future. A life with God. And life of nearness with God. And that door is open. And then we see God say, my hand is open. Look, when you close your hand, you can't receive anything. And you can't give anything away. But God says, I have opened my hand to you. Why? Because as his sons, he says, you're my heirs. And everything that is mine is yours. I'm righteous. You can have righteousness. I'm holy. You can be holy. I have peace. You have peace. I have joy. You have joy. I have health. You have health. Come on, somebody. Everything that God possesses is ours because his hand is open. To us. Do you realize how generous God is? Do you realize how, how amazingly compassionate and open God is in his generosity toward? Fíjese ahí la generosidad de Dios que él dice, mi mano está abierta a ti. Todo lo que es mío es tuyo. Todo lo que yo tengo, todo lo que yo soy te pertenece a ti. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. God will give you, the Bible says, the desires of your heart. Only God can bless you. Tonight, I challenge you, I encourage you to declare your dependence upon God. And I challenge you to pray for America. That our country will again declare its dependence upon God. That we will again as a nation see that we need God more than we need a good economy. We need God more than we need jobs. We need God more than we need a world without, peace, without war. We need God because only God 
can bless us. We need God because only God can provide. God is our source. We need God because God is the sustainer of our life. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to ask you to do something tonight on it, as it is Independence Day. I want you to join me in the altar. And we're going to take this opportunity to pray together as a church for our country. Vamos a tomar esta oportunidad esta noche de venir a este altar y vamos a orar todos por nuestro país. Come on, let's come into this altar tonight and let's stand in agreement for our country. And as we do that, let's declare our dependence upon God. You may not be able to decide for anybody else, but you can decide for you. You can decide for you tonight that you want to serve the Lord. That you want to make your life a life that is dependent upon Him. That you're watching His hand to see what the God of heaven wants me to do. Father, tonight we come before your throne of grace. We come with a burden in our hearts, an urgency in our hearts. We love our country. We love this nation that you have blessed, that you have raised up. And we want to see her serving the Lord. We want to see our, our countrymen returning to God. We want to see our churches in America filled not just with Christians in name only, but we want to see the pews filled with born-again, converted, transformed lives, living for the fame and glory of God in this generation. God, we cry out to you tonight because you said if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn away from their sin. You said, I will hear from heaven. I will heal. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Awaken us again, oh God. Revive us again. Send that life-giving breath of the Spirit upon this land again. And begin the work in us. Transform our hearts. Turn our hearts wholeheartedly to you, O oh God.